Well, if you have been here at least last week, you saw that I began a consecutive expository series in the Gospel of Luke. And as I said, that our series goal would be seeing Jesus together in the Gospel of Luke. That's combining our motto that's on every one of our bulletins, along with as we see Jesus, especially through the lens of the gospel writers, and in this case, the good Dr. Luke. Uh, Last week, we began uh, with Luke's preface, the preface, Um, and today, we're going to be looking at the visitation. We looked at verses 1 through 4 last week, uh, and then we'll be picking up uh, verses 1 uh, uh, 5 through 25 as our scripture reading in just a moment. But before we do that, I think I kind of messed up last week when it came to trying to show you, explain to you the synoptic, what is a, what is a synoptic gospel. So look on the screen. There it is. And a, hard to mess that up. What does synoptic mean? Sin, S-Y-N, not S-I-N. You might have, some of you uh, particularly maybe wondered, well, what's he talking about? Sin, S-I-N? No. Sin, S-Y-N, means same. Optic means eye or viewpoint. Thus, synoptic means same viewpoint or same eye. So the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those are the ones that, though not altogether different, but they are similar, and they look at a lot of the viewpoints uh, very, very same, uh, so same eye. All right, so that got that out of the way. Hopefully it cleared up any confusion. Let's turn now our direction to our scripture reading from Luke's gospel, chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. And I remind you that this is not the word of men. These are the words of the living God. Hear them with careful attention and appreciation. In the days of Herod... King of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the house of incense, at the hour of incense. And they appeared to him... And and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear 
you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you, to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my word which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will always remain. Let us pray and ask his blessing upon it. Father, once again, we ask for the help and illumination and guidance of the Holy Spirit. The, this is your word, Lord, and it is truth. And yet, Father, often we are dull to that truth. We don't comprehend. But, Father, to, we ask you this day on this Lord's Day as we've assembled, Lord, for sacrament and for word, I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit will give us insight and clarity as we open your scriptures and explain them today. And we ask this now in the one who is our matchless Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The visitation. I wonder what that can be about. Well, welcome to a true story about close encounters with a heavenly being. No, I'm not talking about UFOs. I'm not talking about the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind or whatever it was a long time ago. Not talking about supposed sightings that are, are being made every time we turn around. No, not that kind of object, not that kind of appearance, but nonetheless, 
a heavenly being, an angel, came 2,000 years ago by the name of Gabriel with some good news. And he didn't come, though, without prior notice. This had been in the works for a long time by the Lord our God. You know the story. For 400 years, for, I mean, for years, prophets told about the coming of the long-promised Messiah. God had been silent, though, for 400 years. All of those promises being foretold, all those prophecies being given. And then there was this long period of silence, and probably many of the people of Israel had become weary, thinking that God would never fulfill those promises of the coming Messiah. Many were wondering if he was still coming. And as I said, many perhaps had become weary and indifferent to the promise. And yet it lived on in the hearts of the faithful Israelites. And to such people, two such people, were none other than Zechariah or Zacharias, depending on your translation, but same person, Two people were Zechariah and Elizabeth, his wife. And little did they know that Zacharias was about to get an out-of-this-world visitor that was going to bring good news that we heard pronounced in our scripture reading this morning. So, with that set up, today's outline goes like this for the, visita for the visitation. The presence, the prophecy, and the prediction. Presence, the prophecy, and the prediction. Let's look at the presence first. That's found in verses 5 through 12. Zacharias and his wife, Elizabeth, were, as I've already implied, faithful followers of the Lord their God. They did believe God would keep his promise. He is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. And though they didn't know how and when, they were confident that he would, and they continued to go about their business. And yet now, here is Zechariah at the pinnacle of his life's work. He is about to go into his once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in the temple to burn incense on the altar of the Lord before the veil. God, though, had not given Elizabeth and Zechariah, he had not given them children up until this point. And up until this point, that was getting really, really a far stretch because they were no longer spring chickens. They were very advanced in age, and they were childless. And many of you know in that time and in that culture how childlessness was considered by many a curse. It was maybe something you must have done wrong, and yet here they were still faithfully following the Lord and remaining faithful to him 
even though all hope of having a child had long since dissipated and faded away. Now, Zechariah was also faithful in his profession, that of a being a priest. And he, honor, he was honored to perform the duties of the temple, as I implied, for this one time. He probably never before or probably never after got to do this duty that we read about. Let me just tell you a little bit, a little background here. By the time we reach this point, the time of the, that, of the beginning days around the turn of the century, or of the of well millennium and, and century, uh, in the in the in the in this period of the coming of Jesus, by this time there were probably something like eighteen thousand priests in Israel. Eighteen thousand—that's a lot of priests. You know, the, the temple's big, but it can't hold that many people. It can't, and certainly, how, what are they? How do you? going to do what are you going to do with 18,000 priests according to the Lord's direction in Israel there was to be 24 divisions and each division would minister the temple twice a year that's just the division twice a year for one week with subdivisions of labor arranged by the heads of houses and after running a basically spiritual gauntlet almost putting them like through seminary then a priest was chosen by lot, and his duty was determined by lot. Even if you got chosen, the exact job on the exact day was going to be chosen by lot. You're talking about something that, that was, how in the world could it be drilled down to such specificity? And yet that's exactly what happens in Luke's story and account. Finally, by lot, Zacharias' temple duty had come at last. And on that one day, at that one time, in that one place, in the holy place of the temple, he was there to offer prayers for the nation and to offer incense at the altar right in front of the veil in the temple. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about his duty and give you uh, some slides here. I believe we've got um, three slides here. If you can see there, there are three colors in that slide. Purple, blue, and red. And notice these are the instructions the Lord gave the priests of Israel when they making the tabernacle. They were to, as, as specified there in Exodus 26, 31. You shall make a veil, blue, purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen, and it shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked in and out. So this veil, it was massive by the time we get to Herod's edition of the temple. Uh, and it was yet, these were the colors, and the high priest who himself was garbed in very colorful attire. But that's not. That, uh, Zachariah was not the high priest. He would, there's, you can see the colors, 
and there's the altar. But Zechariah would not have been wearing those colors. Certainly not the breastplate either. He would have looked like this. White linen clothes. He would have been barefoot also. And yet, at the point in which he was offering this incense, burning and trimming the wax, doing his priestly duty, an unexpected visitor showed up in that very moment. And Zacharias, as he was performing that duty, he suddenly found himself in an angelic presence that appeared on the right side of the altar. And to say that he was surprised <laughs> would be putting it very, very mildly. Matter of fact, it would be more like shocked, and then that, pretty, that shock quickly turned into terror, fear, dread. Now, why is it that every time an angel shows up, uh, they are feared, even when they're coming with good news? So often. Well, that tells you they, they are very powerful creatures of the Lord God. They are powerful messengers. And yes, they can bring a telegram, but they can also take down 185,000 Assyrians in one night. They are awesome and powerful creatures. And I think about this time, Zechariah was beginning to get the message that he was in the presence of a visitor, not of this world. Secondly, let's look at the prophecy. Verses 13 through 17. Then here he is in the middle of this intense moment, and the angels tell Zacharias, usually the, the usual standard words, don't be afraid. That has to be said to us mortals. Don't be afraid. Because the angel Gabriel said, your prayers have been heard. How long do you think that Elizabeth and Zacharias prayed and prayed for a child? And though it lingered, and though times went farther than they ever wanted to, once again, we're seeing that God's timing is perfect. And he is the one now in his good pleasure that is going to bring them good news and that their prayers would be heard. This should give hope to all of us when we wait upon the Lord for things that we are asking or hoping for or wanting. Sometimes he chooses to wait for his own purposes. He knows what you were asking and yet sometimes he delays not out of indifference but he knows the times they are in his hands and sometimes he will not answer and sometimes in a way that we expect and sometimes he will answer but he will do it in his own time and in his own way we don't get to qualify both the timing and the way but we 
throw ourselves at the mercy and goodness of our God. And sometimes in our waiting, as we're waiting on God, sometimes he brings along something that's far better than anything we were originally asking or looking for. Have you not had that happen to you in your life as a Christian? If you've known the Lord for for a while, no doubt you've seen things like that. But that's not all the good news. (laughs) That's not all of it. His wife, Elizabeth, is going to have this very special baby. The heavenly visitor continued with his prophecies. This baby boy, he said, would be named John. And you know later in the, finally, later on down in the story, that Luke is, John, his name is confirmed. Zachariah finally did get it. This baby boy would be named John. Listen to the rest of, of, as I read again, verses 14 through 17 to get a picture of this. He said he will call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, or he will be filled And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. That's the good news that the angel Gabriel brought to Zechariah. You would think Jeremiah would be dancing a jig about this time. Yes, Lord, thank you so much. I knew you would do it. You were faithful. You would think that's what he would, how he would be responding after all this good news. And yet, there's the prediction That's in verses 18 through 25. Zechariah was stunned, but unfortunately, he wasn't speechless. He was stunned, amazed, but he had to open his mouth. (laughs) I think some of us can identify (laughs) with situations like that, can't we? You see, he basically said, "Uh uh-huh, sure. I hear you, but I know about the facts of life. My daddy taught me about the birds and the bees, and I got a wristwatch. I know what time it is. I know how late things are getting. He basically says, it's not possible. I know it. You should know it. see, filled with doubt, his questioning heart left no room for faith. Now, oh, Zach spoke. Now it's Gabriel's turn to speak. Zacharias asked for a sign, and 
boy, did he get it in a way he didn't, wouldn't expect. But see, this is very hard for us to picture. But remember what I've already said about the, the angels and their power. Imagine at that moment, kind of the eyes beginning to turn brighter, maybe even everything around him beginning to glow. We don't know, but it, but it was something incredible that was happening right at that moment in response to Zachariah's unfaithfulness. Imagine mighty Gabriel rising up to his full height and with a voice of indignation saying, I am Gabriel. I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. That would have got your attention. I can't picture this. And I know this is not going to do it justice. But the only thing that I can maybe come imagine something that might have been that awe-inspiring and terrifying at that point would have been what is depicted in J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Yes, you knew that was coming, didn't you? <laughs> um, and if you've read the movies or uh, seen the movies or the book in the book of the first of the three he's in Frodo is with the power of rings and the fellowship of the ring and they're in Lothlorien with the lady Galadriel who is an elf one of the three holders of the three rings powerful beautiful but powerful. And at night she comes to him and ultimately Frodo tries to give her the ring of power. And she looks at him and admits, oh, I have wanted this. And then all of a sudden she starts changing. She starts experiencing, she begins, her whole image begins to change. And transform. And she says to Frodo, in the place of a dark lord, you will have a queen. Not dark, but beautiful and terrible as the dawn. Stronger than the foundations of the earth. What Frodo would have right then been feeling like, I can't think that's something what Zachariah was feeling like. That's a make-believe, but that in the presence of a being so powerful coming up, rising up to its full weight and gravity. That put Zechariah in his place. You see, Gabriel goes on though, and he continues his prediction in verses 19b through 20. Listen. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent 
and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in time. What did Zechariah get for his skepticism? He got to not have his speech until John was born. He was made mute by the power of the angel. But remember, Zechariah, yeah, blew it. But you know what? He's not the first saint of God. He's not the first brother or sister to mess up, to be faithless. Zechariah was in good company with a lot of the, good, of the famous patriarchs and many other followers of the Lord our God. But before we dismiss his faithlessness, we need to take a deeper look into our own hearts. Yeah, he blew it. He was faithless. But how many times have I? How many times have you? When you and I say, why me? When you and I say, it's hopeless. She's gone and she's never coming back. He's gone. My son will never speak to us again. God is forgotten. God not, no longer hears our prayers. How Zachariah-ish is that? And it's in my heart and probably in yours too. You see, it's not wrong to ask God questions. God allows that. He graces us and his servants to do that. But it is wrong to doubt his ability to keep his word or his promises. And that's what Zechariah was doing. Something maybe we have done in our weakness. But what about Elizabeth? <laughs> How did she get the good news? We don't know because she sure didn't get it from John. Not, not at least verbally. <laughs> he couldn't speak. Maybe he wrote it all down, right? Probably. But Zacharias, he had struck out. And here is Elizabeth going yard. She it knocks it out of the park with her faith. Zachariah can't even get a bat, get the, I mean, get a, get the bat on the, uh, up on the, on the pitch. She has this incredible, as you said, Lord, just like, like Mary would do. You see, this is what she said. Thus the Lord has done for me in these days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. God, you've, you've, you've taken it away. I've waited and you looked on me. I love that, I love that hymn, Red Mountain Music hymn. Jesus cast a look on me. 
Jesus, cast a look on me. That's what Elizabeth was seeing. Her God casting a look, a favorable look on her. But, remember, yeah, Zachariah, way down here, like most of us guys. But, even the ladies, like Elizabeth, that certainly lot better grade. But the point is, God doesn't grade on a curve, ladies, gentlemen. He doesn't grade on a curve. In this account, Elizabeth was outscored Zechariah. But the gospel truth is that we all fall short and there is only one, one and only hero. And his name is Jesus. The great one was coming, John the baptizer. The great one was coming, but the greater one would follow him. And he would be nothing more than one unworthy to tie the shoes of Jesus. The pathfinder, John the baptizer, was coming. But only Jesus is the path, the way, the path or the way, the truth and the life. He wanted me to remind you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent John to prepare the way for the coming of your son. Father, thank you for writing this wonderful book, this gospel of Luke. Father, help us as we go through it. Give us insight and understanding. And Father, most of all, continue to help us to see, as is demonstrated in this table that is before us, that it's not about us. It's not what we've accomplished. It's the accomplishments of Jesus and Jesus only. And that is our hope, both now and forever. Father, let us find joy and respond in faith and faithfulness to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus. Amen.